Hey guys, thanks for joining us online. My name is Pastor Dave, one of the pastors here on staff. I want to first talk about alarm clocks. Alarm clocks. Uh, how many of you guys hit that snooze button when the alarm goes off in the morning? I am definitely one of those people. Uh, some of you guys probably even set it up 4 a.m. so you could hit that snooze button a few times. Um, and remember when alarm clocks were actually the thing? Uh, now it's our phone. I use my phone and that makes it even harder because you're kind of like kind of squinting to look at where that snooze button is. And by that time, I'm probably awake already. But I bring that up because I believe that Jesus right now in this season that we are in is raising an alarm for us as the church. He's raising an alarm, an alarm for us to find healing in Jesus and in his presence and this is what it really means when we talk about being Jesus-centered. One of the ways we talk about this is, is seeking healing and being in Jesus' presence. We want to allow him to turn, like we looked at last week, our graves into gardens, our brokenness into beauty. And the reason why that's possible is because as last week we looked at in John chapter 20, Jesus' physical resurrection, his physical bodily resurrection, which all Christians believe, not only promises us a future resurrection, but it also promises us resurrection power that we can live in now, in the here and now, and to see our graves turned into gardens, our brokenness turned into beauty. And this fall, I believe this is something that Jesus wants us to seek. He's raising the alarm that we need to seek him and his presence for healing, to turn our brokenness into beauty. We need to seek his presence. And this is why uh, this fall in our adult ministries, we have a lot of things that are being offered for you to do that. We certainly need you to do that individually in your own time, but we also want to help you in this. And so we are going to offer this fall an intimacy with God workshop just to develop in that intimacy with God. Some of you are like, I don't have that conversational relationship with God. Some of you are maybe feeling stagnant in your relationship. Some of you are feeling the weight and the pressure of the season. And it, you need a close relationship with God. And so that's why we're going to offer that this uh, fall, September 24th. You can sign up for that even right now uh, by going online to myfac.org slash events. It's there for you to sign up. We're also going to offer for you to grow in your intimacy with God and to being in his presence, a spiritual life and growth assessment. That is going to be offered online. It's not there yet, but it will be. And that's something to help you just focus, not only on where you need to spiritually grow, but where you need to develop an intimacy with God, living in the fullness of the Spirit, living Jesus-centered, living relationally healthy, living missionally engaged, allowing Him to transform you. It's going to be a help and a guide for you. And that is going to be available for everyone. This workshop and this assessment is going to be available for the whole church. And I encourage you, take part in it because we want to seek Jesus' presence this fall. And for you leaders, uh, small group leaders, leading studies, first of all, thank you for what you've been doing. You've been uh, leading the way in this difficult time. And this is going to be a real aid for you and also people in your group as you want to shepherd them to Jesus and to being in his presence. But the other thing that we want to do this fall is we want to also be missionally engaged. And so we're going to be offering Alpha. We're going to offer Marriage Alpha, which is Alpha, but on a marriage slant for those that are married, as well as book clubs for women uh, that we're going to look at different book clubs and get together to discuss. Now, I share all these things because we are called to live missionally, to invest in relationships with people, 
And then we're encouraging you to invite them to wherever and whenever the church gathers. And so there's going to be places where the church gathers around the, in different homes as they do Alpha together. And that's a great opportunity for you to invite someone. Also to Marriage Alpha, that's a great opportunity for you to invite someone that you know that you've been praying for and that you want them to meet Jesus. The same with book clubs that are going to be offered for women. Now, I share all these things that are happening in the fall because not only is Jesus, I believe, raising the alarm for us to seek his presence and seek healing in his presence and be closely in a relationship with him, but also I believe he's raising the alarm for us to live missionally, to be missionally engaged. One of the core values of our church, that every one of us is to live missionally engaged. This season that feels like a grave, Jesus can turn into a garden. And we have that hope as believers, as followers of Jesus. And we're not just to hold on to that hope to ourselves. We're supposed to give it away. We're supposed to help others turn to Jesus to turn their graves into gardens. We are all called to live missionally, to give this hope. John 20, verse 21, Jesus says this. He says, peace with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. This is living sent. This is living out your identity of who you are, just as the Father sent Jesus on a mission. He is sending us out on a mission. He's sending each and every one of us. We are sent and we live sent because we follow ascending God. That's who our God is. And I believe that we need to be a church as part of this movement that Jesus has started right here. This part of this movement that Jesus started, we as the church need to be a people, a people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit in the presence of Jesus and moving outward as disciple-making disciples who are pursuing life change in Jesus. That's what we're called to do as the church body. That is our mission from the very beginning of Acts, which we're going to look at next weekend and start even to today. We are to move outward as disciple-making disciples, bringing people to Jesus, the one who can turn their graves and to garden. We need to be in his presence, be transformed by his presence, and bring others into his presence. That's what we're called to do. And you and I are called to this. Not just a pastor, not just someone gifted in evangelism. This is for each person that says, I am a follower of Jesus. Well, guess what? This means you. You live sent. That means you listening to this right now. That means you if you're in high school. That means you if you're in middle school. That means you if you're in elementary school. That means you if you're retired. That means you if you're working. That means you if you're a mom. That means you if you're a dad. That means you if you're a man. That means you if you're a woman. That means every single person that follows Jesus lives sent. That means you. This is your identity. And that's my whole point for you today, is that you are called Everyone is called to help others turn to Jesus because he's the one who can turn their graves into gardens. So let me first ask you this right off. Are you willing? Are you willing? 
Are you willing to live missionally sent? Are you willing to live a missionally engaged life? No one else can make this decision for you. You have to make that decision. You are living the type of missionally engaged life that you are willing to put up with. See, it starts with you making the decision to say, am I willing? It's a yes or no answer. So if you say, yes, I am willing, then here's the next question. What stops you from living missionally engaged? What stops you from living missionally? So many of us right now, even in this crisis, we're hitting the snooze button. We're just kind of self-caring for ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves. We certainly need to do that. But some of us are hitting the snooze button on this alarm that Jesus is bringing saying, church, you are called, every one of you, to live missionally. There's people I put around you every day where you can help them turn to Jesus and have Jesus turn their grave into a garden. Some of us are just hitting that snooze button in this crisis right now with this pandemic. And let me tell you, crisis and opportunity are inseparable. They are inseparable. Just look at the church in Acts. The church that was gathered gathered there in Jerusalem started doing well. What happens? Persecution breaks out. And so then the church is scattered. They're scattered all over. Do you think Jesus said, oh, great, there goes the mission? No, he didn't throw his hands up. He's still in control. He knows what he's doing. He sees the big picture. Great. The church is not shattered, just scattered. Now the gospel is able to go forth. You and I right now, we may not be able to gather in some of the ways that we would like to gather, but guess what? This is a perfect opportunity. The alarm is going off. Jesus is saying, live missionally. This is who you're called to be. There are people that you're going to be encounter, neighbors. Even if it's online through Zoom, there's people all around you. So the question is, are you willing? But if you say yes, then what stops you from living missionally? What stops you? Now, there's a lot of reasons that may be why. But I want to look at three reasons why we don't live missionally. And three stories in the book of John here, as we close out the Gospel of John, in John chapter 21, that will shed some insight on how we should live missionally. Because chapter 21 is kind of weird. Um, why it's there in the Gospel of John. John chapter 20 ends with that statement of, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. That sounds like the mission, the church. You think it would stop there. But then there's this John chapter 21 of an epilogue. And I think we can learn some things and some insights on how we are to live missionally because that is where the church is beginning as it moves into the book of Acts. And they await for the empowerment of the Spirit. So first, why don't we live missionally? Let's look at the first reason. Why we don't live missionally? I think it's because sometimes we're just unaware when Jesus shows up in our everyday normal life with people. We're just unaware when Jesus shows up. We've hit the snooze button and we're just sometimes so wrapped up in ourselves that we're not aware of when Jesus shows up and then presents to you and I an opportunity to live missionally, and we miss the divine appointment. If you look at John chapter 21, 1 through 8, I'm not going to be able to read all the verses there, but let me just summarize what's happening there. Jesus uh, is not there with the disciples at that time, but the disciples are out and sea, and, they're, and they're, they're fishing. They're not catching anything. And then Jesus walks 
by the water shows up along the shoreline. They don't recognize that it's Jesus. They're not aware that it's Jesus, but they're having a hard, tough day. They're just not catching anything. I mean, do you ever have that hard, tough day, right? We all get them. We have these trials. We have this tough day. Just things are not going the way we want it to. And then Jesus shows up, but they don't recognize him at first. And then Jesus calls from the shoreline and says, cast your nets on the other side. And when they do that, man, it's overflowing. Their nets are overflowing with fish. And then Peter realizes it's Jesus. It's our Lord. And he runs out to him and to meet with Jesus. I bring that up because they didn't recognize first when Jesus showed up in their normal everyday business life of being fishermen. And how many of us can confess to that too? Sometimes we're not aware when Jesus shows up. To live missionally, you and I need to keep vigilant of when Jesus will show up. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus still shows up in his presence by agency of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to show up and help you look for the people around you where you can help them turn to Jesus to turn their grave into a garden. You see, I love yard work. I love doing yard work around the yard. Some people don't like to do that. I do. I love to surf. I love to go to the beach. And I love to do yard work. There's something about it being outside and you have a project. And when I have a project and I'm ready to do yard work, I am laser focused on what I need to do. So do not interrupt me. I am doing my work. I want to get it head down, charging ahead. I want to just complete this project and just immerse myself into it. Well, one day there was actually, I was doing yard work and a neighbor actually pulled up and their car stopped by, wanted to chat. And I was just dialed in to my yard work. And I, I didn't really want to stop. I, I, I mean, I'll confess it was wrong with me. Uh, and I, I wanted to just finish my yard work and keep going. But I realized that would be rude. So following the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I said, okay, uh, I'll talk. Uh, this stuff can be put aside. And we end up talking for a while. And it ends up opening up to a very significant conversation that I would have with this neighbor that opened up to me with things that I wouldn't have known or been able to listen and just provide a listening ear as being the hands and feet of Jesus in that way. I wouldn't have, I would have missed it if I was just so wrapped up in myself, so unaware of when Jesus would show up. That was a divine appointment that Jesus was putting in front of me there. I need to keep vigilant. You and I, to live missionally, we need to keep vigilant for when Jesus shows up. Another reason why we often don't live missionally is because, number two, we, we don't know where to begin. We sometimes don't know where to begin in this call to live sent and live missionally. We, we just don't know. And we make up excuses. Some of us are we're willing, but we, we just think, well, I don't know. This seems intimidating. Um, I, I don't have all the right answers or what to say. I think we make it more complicated for ourselves. It's simpler than you think. It's a lot simpler than you think. If you just look at what Jesus did with Peter, I think you'll see. Look at what Jesus does with Peter in verses 9 through 17. 
in chapter 21. You see, they finally sit down after Jesus shows up and they, they take the boat ashore and they have, Jesus has breakfast ready for them. That's awesome. Jesus making breakfast for you. And they sit down and um, Peter has this conversation with Jesus. You see, Peter dealt with shame all his life. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see Peter was someone that just dealt with shame. Didn't think he was worthy. Didn't think he had what it could take. I mean, this was a guy that denied Jesus. I mean, talk about shame that you're feeling. And then now he's sitting next to Jesus, having breakfast with him. Can you imagine the shame he's feeling? Also, you recall that time when he was with Jesus in the boat and Jesus calmed the storm. And what does Peter say? He says, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He just felt so much shame, just looking down saying, Lord, I don't, I, I, I don't know, even deserve to be in your presence. He felt a lot of shame. And notice what Jesus, though, does to approach him to bring this healing of brokenness that he feels, this crushing weight that he feels. First, Jesus moves toward Peter. He moves gently, simply, and even over a meal. And he moved basically relationally to Peter. He was concerned about Peter, about this shame, this crushing weight he's feeling. And so what he does is he has his meal with him. And then he's going to say a few things that's going to gently point him to Jesus. So I want you just to recall this, this as a practical point of something you and I can do, that we can follow in Jesus's method. We invest relationally with people. Have a meal, have coffee with others, move towards them. You don't have to convince them to Jesus, to come to Jesus right away. You don't have to start talking about Jesus right away. If God opens that door, great. But the first step, is move towards people. Invest relationally in people. Get to know them. Listen to them. Understand their hurts. Understand their concerns. Let people know that you care. They're not going to even care what you want to share if they don't know that you care. You and I need to invest relationally. So what you can do, even after this sermon, after you're listening to this, you may be able to do this right now. Think of a person that you know is not following Jesus, that is hurting, that is broken. Think of a person where you live, where you work, where you study, where you play. We say that over and over and over. And some of you might be so nauseous from us saying that over and over, but that's our vision. That's our plumb line with mission is we want to invest relationally with people where we live, work, study, and play. Think of a person. Once you have that person in mind, start praying for that person. Start praying for that person. Pray God's blessing over that person and then move towards them. If there's a hurt that they're facing, then seek how you can be of healing to them. Maybe it's just your presence being there in a listening ear. If they have a need, seek how you could fill that need, how you can come alongside them and show generosity to them. If there is something that they love to do and you love to do as well, do it together. Do that thing together. Those are just some simple ways to move towards people and invest relationally. Because Jesus invested in relationships. You see that here with Peter. You see that with the 12. You see that with many people throughout the Gospels. The second thing that Jesus does that I want you to notice how he approaches uh, Peter is he shows grace and healing 
presence, his healing presence. He shows grace to Peter and he brings healing to Peter, especially with this shame that he's feeling. You notice that Peter uh, probably thought that he was disqualified from the team after denying Jesus three times. He's probably like, oh, I'm probably just not even worth it to be on this team. Many of us sometimes have felt like that. We've done something, we've sinned, or we've done something wrong, um, and we felt like that. He denied Jesus three times, but you notice that Jesus in this story, what he does is he asks this question three times to Peter, do you love me? That may sound a little intimidating that Jesus is asking that, and Peter actually certainly felt that way. He's like, yes, I love you, Lord, and Jesus say, feed my sheep. He's saying, I'm still got you a part of my team. I want you to feed my sheep. You're still on the team. You're not disqualified. And he asks him again, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, and he says, feed my lambs. And he asked him a third time. And Peter frustrated, saying, Lord, you know that I love you. And what was Jesus doing there? Jesus was gently restoring him and trying to point him away from what he thought. Peter thought he needed to do. Peter thought he needed to impress maybe Jesus or maybe it's his works that mattered. If he just did not deny Jesus three times, he probably thought. And Jesus is trying to gently restore him and say, it's not, Peter, about what you say, what you do, what you have done for me. Peter, it's about me loving you. You love me, but guess what? I love you, and you're still part of my team, and I still want you to feed my sheep, and I'm still with you, Peter. I love you. Even though he may not be saying that in these verses here, Do you see what Jesus is trying to do? He's restoring him and saying, you denied me three times, but guess what? I've just reinstated you three times. You have nothing to do, Peter. You don't have to prove yourself to be a part of my team. You don't have to prove yourself for me to show you grace. You don't have to prove yourself for me to show you love. You don't have to prove yourself for me to show you mercy. I love you, Peter, and you're part of my team. The love and grace and healing that Jesus provides his healing grace. And so many of us as people, when we look at scriptures and we look at God and even those that may be curious, we get a lot of people feel like they have to impress God or feel like they have to prove themselves before God. And they especially know that they're broken. They know they need something, a fix. They know that they're broken. They know they suffer with anxiety. They know they suffer with depression. They know they suffer with with maybe pride. They know they could be selfish. People know these things. They know the brokenness is there. But we help others by turning others to Jesus' grace and healing presence that's found in Jesus. You know, this is a big deal, I believe, with as we live on mission, especially with our culture right now. And uh, one of the authors I love to read, one of my teachers uh, up in Nyack, uh, Rob Reamer, he wrote this book, Spiritual Authority, just came out. And he's talking about living on mission as a church. And we as a church may need to take a a different approach with where people are right now in our culture and in our nation. He says this, I believe soul care is a huge gateway to evangelism in this generation. I don't necessarily mean my book soul care. I mean the freedom and fullness that is available to people in Christ. I think more people are going to come to faith in Christ in this generation because they know they are broken and in need of a healer than because they know they are sinners in need of a savior. 
Now he goes on, he says, this is not a theological statement. This is a missiological statement. I'm not saying they aren't sinners, that they don't need a savior. I'm saying that they likely don't know they are sinners in need of a savior. And trying to convince them of this truth will not win them to Jesus. But they do know that they are broken. More people are struggling with anxiety than ever before. Anxiety has recently passed depression as the number one mental health issue in the United States. Think about that. People have real pain or are looking for real life solutions and hope. And if the church can learn how to minister Jesus' healing power to alleviate the pain and suffering people face, many will follow Jesus. You and I are called to live missionally and to help the people in their brokenness find the healing in Jesus. Because Jesus is our Savior, He is our Sanctifier, He is our coming King, and He is our Healer. Jesus brings the healing. And this may mean simply you just, when God presents the opportunity, you share your story of how Jesus has helped you heal you in your brokenness. Sometimes it may even just be simply praying with a person not trying to fix it or anything like that. And just asking, can I pray for you? I've done that many times when I didn't even know what to do or what to offer or what to say. I just ask, can I pray for you? And you just pray for that person to bring them into the presence of Jesus. You don't have to win them with apologetics. I think that's a, that's a gone way of evangelism that does not work as effectively today. We bring people to the presence of Jesus. Just think, Paul wasn't one to Christ by apologetics. Paul was one to Christ because he was in the presence of Jesus and found the healing and the answer just by being in the presence of Jesus when he appeared to him on the road to Damascus. So to live missionally, guys, move towards people. It's much simpler than you think. If you don't know where to start, that's where you start. You move towards people, invest relationally, and point them to the grace and healing in the presence of Jesus. There's a third reason, though, why we don't live missionally. And it's because we have our eyes off of Jesus. We ourselves have our eyes off of Jesus. John 21, 18 to 23, uh, there's another story there with Jesus with Peter. After Jesus talks with him and shows him that grace and that mercy, uh, saying that you're part of my team, then Jesus proceeds to tell Peter how he's going to die. I mean, I, I, and it's not pretty. He's going to die basically crucified, crucified upside down. And I don't know about how you would be feeling in that moment when Jesus is telling you that, but I'm sure I could sympathize with Peter when he starts then saying, uh, well, Jesus, what about this guy? What? And he's pointing to John. He's like, well, what about him? Uh, what, what's going to happen to him? You know, why do I have to go through this? And Jesus says this to Peter. He says, follow me. He says, follow me. Keep your eyes on me, Peter. It's almost like he's saying, Peter, don't don't you remember when we were in the boat or when I was walking on the water and you were in the boat and you came out to me, to meet me, and you were walking on that water? What happened, Peter, when you took your eyes off of me? You started to sink. It's, it's It's like he's just bringing him back to some of those lessons that, that he was teaching him all through Jesus' earthly ministry. He's saying, follow me, look to me. Don't compare yourself to what another person's life and how it's going or another believer's life or someone else in the church. He's saying, keep your eyes on me. And often we aren't living missionally. We're not engaged on the mission because our eyes are not on Jesus, but it's on 
other things. Maybe things that we're just so wrapped up in ourselves, but it could even be even church-related things. We could be comparing ourselves to other believers. Or we could be engaging in conversations that are just distracting the church from living missionally. And I bring that up because I'm talking about something that I have seen on Facebook with the church that I'm not happy with. It's sad to see how Christians are engaging on Facebook and on social media, on how Christians are having polarizing views with each other and attacking each other, and not engaging in healthy conversation in a Christian way, in a way that shows love to each other and respect and listening first. And can I just encourage you, if you can't deal with social media in a way that shows Christ, please get off it. I'm not saying social media is bad. I'm saying if you are bad at how to be a Christian on it, please get off. Just do not be on it because you are playing right into the devil's hand, right into the enemy's hand who does what? What does he want to do with the church? Keep him off mission. And what? how does he do that? He brings division. He brings division. And right now, where there's polarizing views on politics, on the election, on racial injustice, all these things, we have as a church has, have not been engaging in this conversation that is showing Christ to one another and as a witness to the world on how we handle such topics. We have taken our eyes off of Jesus. You and I, what keeps our eyes off of Jesus what keeps us from living missionally, excuse me, is when we have kept our eyes off Jesus and we have engaged in even conversations that have been detracting us from the mission. Keep your eyes on Jesus. To live missionally, you and I need to keep our eyes on him. Because what are we to remember when we keep our eyes on Jesus? This is what he wants to remind us of his greatness, his heart for the lost, his his love for you and I, his grace, his mercy, and his power that is able to bring a lost person, a lost world to Christ, someone that knows they're broken, that they can experience healing in Jesus. This is what Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you know that great commission of making disciples contains in that mission to you and I a very powerful promise, two promises that Jesus says before and then after that that mission to make disciples. He says, all authority has been given to me. He's saying all authority over the spiritual realm, all authority over the earthly realm, all authority over disease, all authority over kings and people in power, all authority over everything. Jesus has that authority and he gives to you and I the keys to the kingdom that brings that authority. And then he also says, after he says to make disciples, he also gives us another promise. I am with you. I am with you to the very end of the age. I am with you. That's the promise you and I need, the presence of Jesus to know that he is with us, that he is the one that transforms lives, that he is the one that is able to bring the power of the spirit through us to bring healing and helping others turn their graves into gardens as they encounter Jesus. I am with you. 
It's the same promise that was given to Moses. When Moses gave excuse and say, this mission that God gave him, he says, I can't do this, who am I? And how does Jesus answer? He says, I am with you. I am with you. It's an incredible promise. It's essentially what John is saying when he closes out chapter 21 with this verse, which may sound strange, but it's beautiful. He says in verse 25, he says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. A beautiful verse. John is saying there's even more that Jesus said and did. And if I could write it all down, I don't know if there would be a book to contain it. And he's also implying, saying, there's more that Jesus will do and wants to do. You as the reader who has given your life to Jesus and has trusted in Jesus for life and now understands that you are to live as a sent one of Jesus. It gives us incredible encouragement that Jesus is powerful, wonderful. He will go with you. And even though this chapter closes in John chapter one, a new chapter begins for you and I as the church to be on mission. So I close with those questions again. Are you willing? Are you willing to live missionally? And if so, if you say yes, what stops you from living missionally? What stops you? To live missionally, we need to keep vigilant for when Jesus shows up. Look for the people around your life. Invest relationally with them. Move towards them. And to keep your eyes on Jesus as the one who promises all authority is given to me and I will be with you as you engage on this mission. And so what I want us to do is just to to look to Jesus now as we pray together, whether you're sitting there watching this at home, in the car, wherever you may be. I want us to pray. And there's going to be a song as well that's going to be played about talking about just God's good grace. This is grace that he gives to you and I. That's powerful to change our life, but also to be a conduit of his grace to others. And I want you to do two things. If you're saying, yes, I am willing I'm willing and I recognize there's certain things that are, that have been stopping me from living missionally and I confess those things. I want to return from away from those things. Then I encourage you to dedicate to first seeking his presence this fall. Seek his presence this fall. As we enter into this fall semester, seek him and his presence and then dedicate to live missionally this fall. Think of the person that you want to pray for. Think of the person you're going to invest in relationally. And keep your eyes on Jesus. So will you do that with me now? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that all authority is given to you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Jesus, for the authority you had over our heart to turn our hearts to you, Jesus. We first stop there and remember the grace and mercy you have shown to us. We stop and remember when you first turned our eyes to you. We stop and remember when we found our salvation and our healing and our brokenness in you. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have the power to change lives. We thank you that you have the power to turn brokenness into beauty. 
we thank you, Lord, that you have all authority over people, even sometimes the people that we have in our minds that we know are not following you and we think that they are unsavable. But Lord, you can save them. You can heal them. All authority is given to you. And so, Lord, we praise you for that power that you have. We praise you for your greatness. We praise you for the mercy and grace you have shown to us and the healing. And Lord, we confess to you right now how many of us have not lived missionally. We have not. We've been hitting that snooze button and this alarm that is going off for us right now to live missionally. We confess. We confess that we have not done that. We confess that we have, at times as a church, bickered with one another. We confess our sin. We confess the sin of being wrapped up in ourselves. We confess these things that you have given the keys of the kingdom and we have not taken them. So Lord, we bring that confession to you and we ask you just to bathe us in your grace and your mercy as we listen to this song and this song just becomes a prayer of our heart. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence that is promised to us as we go to be disciple-making disciples, pursuing life change in Jesus, being part of this movement that you have started, Jesus, we thank you for your presence that goes with us. And may we keep our eyes on you. And so we dedicate ourselves to you. We dedicate ourselves this fall to living life in your presence to seeking more of you and to being filled more by your presence and drawing closer to you. And we dedicate ourselves now to living missionally with what you have poured into us that we pour out to others. Helping others turn to you, Jesus, so that we can watch you turn their grave into a garden. And we pray this all in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in. Keep seeking Jesus in his presence. And if you're a kid that you're watching this right now, I want you to stay tuned. We have a special kids program coming up uh, for you right after this. But adults, high school, middle school, anyone that's watching this right now, I encourage you, dedicate this fall to seeking Jesus' presence and dedicate your life to live missionally for Jesus. Love you guys.